Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. First-time visitors to Apostolic Pentecostal Church services often have noted that Pentecostal women wear their hair long. The Apostle Paul addresses the subject of Christians and hair in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and he makes statements such as, does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it's a dishonor to him? And likewise, he adds, if a woman has long hair, it's a glory to her. Does God really care about our hair? What did Paul say about hair, and how do those teachings apply to life here in the 21st century? The short answer is yes, God actually does care about our hair, but that is just one symbol of a much bigger reality. So let's trace this throughout the Bible. In Genesis 1.27, God created everyone male and female. That was God's plan for males and females to be distinct. And of course, in our day, that's under attack. Just like God's plan for marriage is under attack, so now God's plan for male and femaleness is under attack. In uh, the book of Deuteronomy 22.5, there's a very clear teaching that a man should not look, act, or dress like a woman. A woman should not look, act, or dress like a man. So here's another example under the law of Moses where God established a principle that goes beyond the law of Moses that starts from creation, continues till now, that there should be a distinction. And then in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, we have a warning against men being effeminate, which would be uh, conduct and sexuality, but also it would even encompass appearance. And then now it, what you refer to, 1 Corinthians 11, there's very clear teaching that a woman should let her hair grow long, that a man should cut his hair short. Uh, then in the, it's interesting that to note in the book of Revelation, it's a symbolic, but when it's talking about uh, some demonic forces, it says they had hair as the hair of women. Well, what is hair as the hair of women? There is no difference in in uh, the substance of a man's hair and a woman's hair as far as its texture or its uh, appearance or color. The only difference is that men typically cut their hair short. So for for to say hair is the hair of women, it's an assumption that the author of Revelation makes, and he thinks all his readers will immediately understand that would be long hair. That's what he's talking about. And I think that's been true generally throughout most cultures, as as Paul said in 1 Corinthians, doesn't even nature teacher teach this. But I think it goes beyond culture. There is even a biological point. Um, it, it, what did Paul say doesn't even nature teach you? And I, I think he's mainly saying there's an instinctive teaching of nature that is uh, throughout human history and cultures, although, of course, culture can override that so people don't have that natural teaching. But even so, nature bears witness, and here's why. A man is 10 times more likely to grow bald than a woman, and that's because baldness is associated with the male gene and can and is triggered by presence of male hormones. The point is, if you see a man who's bald, what do you think? You don't really think anything. That's just pretty common 
natural, normal for, for being a man. So all the bald men can say amen. But if you see a woman that's bald, immediately your attention is drawn to that because in nature, it usually means she's had some disease or some extraordinary stress or is undergoing some chemotherapy or some unnatural treatment. In other words, it's not natural for a woman not to have hair. So nature still does teach us that a man with no hair is considered very typical. A woman with no hair is considered quite unusual, abnormal, exceptional. So I do think nature still teaches us. Uh, now, the basic principle is gender distinction, that God wants there to be a visible, obvious distinction in dress and hair between a man and a woman. And as we see in our contemporary society, in, in ages past, we might have wondered, what's the big deal? Does it, what, what difference does that make? But what we're seeing is when our culture systematically breaks down these distinctions, which is done with dress and now and then with hair, it actually starts changing the way people think. So children are raised in this environment where there's no clear distinction or no clear teaching, and it starts affecting identity. And so now we're dealing with bigger issues of homosexuality and lesbianism, of transgenderism. So when you break the, the natural teaching and the simple instruction that God has set up for human families and cultures, then you start losing the bigger issues of human sexuality. You start going contrary to God's will. So obviously, what seems to be a relatively minor issue in itself has major ramifications. And I liken this to, uh, to the American flag. Um, you know, the flag represents our nation and our national values. So if you see someone burning the flag, you could say, you know, they bought it with their own money. It belongs to them. They have a right to destroy it. It's just a piece of cloth. Why do I care? But most of us respond, no, that's wrong. Because when you burn the American flag, you're saying, I, I reject America as a nation. I reject democracy or I reject freedom or freedom of religion. You, know, you wonder what values are you denying? So the piece of cloth is relatively minor, but what it signifies is pretty significant. So for someone that doesn't know the Lord, if they don't follow this teaching, it, it's maybe pretty minor in the big scheme of things compared to, say, more more important moral choices. But for someone who does know God, who is in church, this becomes a visible sign of your whole lifestyle, of the values, that you value God's plan for marriage, God's plan for male and female, that God's plan for sexual morality. Uh, you, you value God's instructions. You want to be obedient to God's word. So it is very important. Now, the actual teaching is quite clear. It's not ambiguous at all. It's just our culture that has made it um, somewhat ambiguous. But let me just read from 1 Corinthians 11. And I've got the New King James here at verse 13. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Now, if you just stop there, you might think it's talking about um, you know, a hat, but that's not what it's talking about. Keep reading. Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? So that's clearly God is saying, it's not my will for a man to have long hair. But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. So that's the covering he's talking about. Now, somebody says, well, it doesn't say it's a sin, but we're not trying to be legalists. We're not trying to quibble. Is there a loophole here? Can I get out of this? Can I do what I want? The real issue for Christians, what is God's will? What does God want? 
And if God says it's dishonorable for a man to have long hair, it's obvious what God wants. If God says it's a glory for a woman to have long hair, even nature teaches you this. Well, it's obvious what God wants. So if you really want to serve God and follow him, then you'll do what God wants. There, there'll be no argument. In fact, the next verse, verse 16, but any, but if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. So he's saying, if you want to argue about this, we don't have any other custom. Some people say, well, this is just a cultural teaching, just a first century teaching, just a teaching in Corinth. But Paul directly refutes that. First of all, he says, nature teaches you. Second of all, he says, God wants this. And then he says, all the churches agree. Well, in Paul's day, there were churches of different cultures on, on different continents. You had Jewish uh, churches. You had uh, churches in Asia. You had churches in Europe. And he's saying, even though our cultures are different, we all agree on this point that we should follow God's plan. And it's interesting to look at some of the other modern translations and even commentaries. If you'd like... Um, I've got three books that deal with this, my my two books on holiness, In Search of Holiness, and my book, Practical Holiness, A Second Look. Both of those discuss 1 Corinthians 11 in detail. Also, if you'd like some of the contemporary research, uh, and even from theologians across the spectrum, uh, my book, The Apostolic Church in the 21st Century, has a book, uh, a chapter on here, which discusses the, the latest uh, contemporary translations, the latest scholarship. And it really says when people take an objective look, scholars take an objective look with no personal agenda. Some are very conservative. Some are very liberal. Some believe the Bible is absolutely the word of God. Some believe it's just a cultural relic, but they all understand what it's saying. And what it's saying is that in God's plan, he wants a clear distinction between men and women. And one of the ways is women should let their hair grow long. Um, don't cut it, but let it grow to its natural length. And women and men should cut their hair noticeably short so it's obvious they're different from the women in their culture. So that is actually an expression of God's intention from creation, Genesis 1, uh, under the law, Deuteronomy 22, and even the expectation that you see in the book of Revelation. But it has particular expression for the New Testament church in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And of course, as Christians, we want to follow God's plan for the church. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share Apostolic Life in the 21st Century with a friend or family member. Finally, join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.